What a day it is to be alive, hey? What a day it is to be in the house of the Lord. We've been doing the series called Why Wilderness. How many of you have been part of the series and been watching it online? And we've, we've had, I think, three weeks now of speaking into this whole thing. And uh, we're in week four. And so this morning, I'm trying to combine. I've got a bit of content. It's a bit content heavy because I don't want to just stretch it out. Probably we've got one more week, which will be next week, hopefully. Uh, which will be the last part of the series. And I've just been so appreciative of the feedback that I've been getting from a lot of you on how this has been speaking into your world and how it's been blessing you. Um, in week one, we defined what a wilderness is. And uh, because it's important to understand what is it we're talking about. And so many of us identified uh, with a wilderness. And we spoke about what a wilderness is a place where you feel like God is a million miles away. It's where you feel like God is far. It's a place where God's tangible presence seems distant. It's also a place where season, it's a season where promises that you've been given from God seem like nothing's happening. In fact, it's a season where you feel like you're walking further and further away from that promise being fulfilled. It's a season where you feel forgotten. People that you knew, that knew you, people that you were connected with, you seem disconnected with. And we started this whole series with the perfect case study, which we find in the book of Exodus, where there's a people group that God's chosen called the Israelites. They've been held in captivity for 400 years. And God says, I'm about to take you to the promised land. And so we're like, great, God, you're amazing. Only to take them out of Egypt and to put them in a wilderness for 40 years. Now, praise God, today we live in a day and age where we literally don't go to physical wildernesses, but we go through internal wilderness. And sometimes it's, 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 it's scary because it's the wilderness of our soul. It's a wilderness where we're sort of like, why, why is this happening? Why is that taking place? And, and in week two, we looked at the life of Joseph. How again, the same thing happens. Joseph starts getting dreams from God. God dreams, dreams that are from the heart of God and where he sees himself growing in grace and being adorned and being respected and being honored. And so Joseph's like, I'm God's man. And so he gets this big dream only to be sold as a slave and then to be charged, of, accused of something that he did not commit to be thrown into the prison. And in a moment, God turns that around. Again, he went through a wilderness season. Last week, I shared on a message called Special purpose, how God's promise requires us to be captivated by this thing called special purpose. And we spoke about this not so common word in the 21st century church called purity. How God uses the wilderness to reveal what really is within. I shared about times in my own life when I first got saved and everything was amazing and wonderful and I was the most well-behaved, well-mannered only to find myself a year or two later to be uh, speaking in a certain way, behaving in a certain manner that made me question even my own faith and wondered, did I even really know Jesus? Only to understand that God allowed the wilderness to reveal what really was within. It was called his purification process to perfect us to the promise that's ahead. Week four, I'm going to talk about this topic called strong spirit, developing a strong spirit. One of the things that happen when you go through the wilderness is God is developing your spirit. We must understand that we, we have received Jesus, not intellectually, we've received Jesus spiritually. 
a lot of times you got to understand this. Your, your, your faith journey is Jesus trying to make himself known to your intellect. He, he's not made himself known into your minds. He's made himself known into your heart. This is why Paul says, if you shall confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, not with your head. But the, the thing is, Jesus enters your heart, but at the end of your life, he hopes to get through into your head. And so we are on this process, and the way God does that is he's developing our spirit. And the way he does that is through this thing called the wilderness. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, before that, let's pray. Father, I thank you. Right now, I take authority over this atmosphere. From the front to the back, I, ca I cast out the spirit of distraction. I pray right now that every eye, every head, every mind, I command you to submit to the word of the living God. When God's word is spoken, nothing else will penetrate the airwaves. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, every heart is inclined. Lord, we repent of carnality. We repent of ways that we've been living and mindsets and lifestyles and attitudes and character and right now Lord we turn our eyes to you you are the author and the finisher of our faith we thank you Holy Spirit that you are here Lord my mind is activated my heart is open and my eyes are ready to see the vision that you're about to paint in front of me in Jesus name and everybody shout amen, amen. come on give God some praise right now give him glory we thank you Jesus Philippians chapter I just needed that Thank you for encouraging me. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, it says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also, is that a typo? <laughs> to suffer, what? Souffle? To suffer for him. Verse 30, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. It's been granted to you. Imagine it's your birthday and I come up to you and say, it's been granted to you. Oh, Pastor Alvin's giving me birthday wishes. It's been granted to you, this love of Christ. And also <clears throat> to have a root canal on your birthday, to suffer. I mean, it's painful, right? But this is what Paul is literally saying. And as I read this, I'm thinking, what is happening here? But I've come to realize that God allows, God is not causing the suffering. Hear me right when I say this is not the cause of the suffering, but he allows the suffering in this place called the wilderness to develop who we are. It's going to be catalytic for the fulfillment of the promises of God. And so I want to read from Luke chapter 1 verse 80. I didn't even know Luke chapter 1 was, Luke chapter 1 has 85 scriptures, 85 verses. Pretty impressive, Dr. Luke. Luke chapter 1 verse 80, he's talking about John the Baptist. And the child grew and became strong, notice the word, strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness, again we find that word, until he appeared publicly to Israel. Wait a minute, John the Baptist grew strong in spirit. Where did he grow strong in spirit? In the wilderness. Wilderness is the place where our spirit is being defined, is the place where our, uh, our spirit is being developed. That same language that Luke used for John, he uses for Jesus as a boy. Luke chapter 2 verse 40. And the child grew and what became? strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Luke is trying to create a linkage between the strengthening of the spirit that's caused by the lifestyle and the location. 
the strengthening of our spirit by where, he, where God positions us. And here's what I've come to realize, that when God calls you, He gives you a massive promise. He puts within you a purpose. Sometimes, sometimes it's dangerous because you, I hear preaching that says, dumb down the vision. Oh, you, you're just so expectant. You're just so full of eagerness. Just, just dial down what God has said to you. No, I'm saying dial up everything God said to you but must understand that even you can dial up all you want, but you're going to go through a wilderness. See, so many times in the wilderness, it's dangerous. In the wilderness, we can create theology that says, this is, this is, oh, wow, I'm in the wilderness. No, this is God's perfect will for me. No, it is in that season, but you're not designed to stay there forever. And so we must understand that this is the tension of the kingdom where God puts a big dream in our hearts, where God puts a big desire in our hearts, where God puts a big promise. Every person God called, it was God's idea. Joseph was just going on with his life until God gave him a dream. Then his life becomes horrible. Moses was going on with his life until God calls him. Then his life is crazy, right? You're like, this is, this is going downhill. But you got to understand that this is how the kingdom works where God puts this big dream in your heart and it's not your dream, it's a God dream. But then he puts you in the wilderness where he's defining us. And that is where we're strengthened. And we see this because what we need to understand is God chooses people that have a strong soul. You got to understand, you got a soul, you got a spirit, right? You look at these characters in the Bible, Joseph, a bit arrogant, I'm, the, my, I'm, my, I'm my father's favorite. You know, he loves me more than everybody else. You, you look at Joseph. Well, I'm the prince of Egypt. You know, my hair's different to the boys of Israel. You know, I eat food, they eat leek, I eat scorpions. You know, it's sort of like that, 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 there's that sense of enthusiasm, borderline prideful. He, he calls out people that are strong in personality. John the Baptist was pretty intense. Right? He calls people that have a strong soul, but then he needs them to develop a strong spirit. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And so, so many of us, when we are called by God, we are so eager to step into the things of God. That is okay. Don't, don't, don't boil it down. Don't feel bad about it. But that needs nurturing. That needs developing. It's great that you're enthusiastic about the call of God on your life. But now your spirit needs to be developed. Now your spirit needs to go through a process. And so there is a tension here that we find. And I want to take a moment to talk about John the Baptist. There's so much, not too many conversations about him. But I want you to talk about, I want to talk about the arrival of John the Baptist. Do you know how he arrived? John the Baptist's arrival was actually even more glamorous in some spheres than the arrival of Jesus. So John the Baptist's dad was, his name was Zachariah. He was a priest. And, and, and every year they would select, handpick a, ch a chosen bunch of priests among a group, elite group of priests, one that would go into the temple, into the deepest place of the temple called the Holy of Holies once a year and they would literally hear the voice of God. They would have some sort of an instruction. They would have some sort of an encounter. In fact, what they would do back in the day, I mean, there's fun facts. Is this okay if we can go a bit deep this morning? Is that They would tie a rope around the priest with bells that were connected to the rope 
And so the reason they would do it was because there was a temple and they would go into the outer courts, into the inner chambers, into the holy place, into the holy of holies. And as the priest would walk, they would hear the bell ring. And there were times, fun fact, when the bell would stop ringing, which means something happened and the priest died. Because what they saw was so out of this world, so, uh, you know, just crazy that, and they would have to drag the body out because they couldn't go in. Out of fear, they would have to pull the priest out. I mean, this is crazy. I know you're like, I didn't come to church to hear this. Tell me, we're gonna, we, we will end up in Hawaii at the end of this message, I assure you. Right now we are going through Guatemala, but we will end up in Hawaii, trust me. And so, so this, is the, this, is the, this is the context. I'm trying to contextualize this whole thing. John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah, cannot have, a, cannot have kids. is selected, elected the holiest man to go into the holy of holies. He goes into the holy of holies and God sends Gabriel, the archangel, appears to him and says, you shall have a son. You shall name him, you shall name him John, chosen, selected, called, the voice of God, the prophetic voice of God, has this incredible, so, so, so you gotta understand this. Now Jesus' arrival was pretty amazing three wise men a bunch of shepherds but if you if you actually if you actually compare whose arrival was in style it was actually John the Baptist because there was not a single religious person who turned up to welcome Jesus do you know that no pharisees no priests none of them there were a bunch of shepherds there were some wise men from persia and that was God's way of protecting him. But John's life was quite exposed because before his mother even felt pregnant his, 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 his birthing was announced and his name was declared. And so, so that's the context in which John is growing up before his arrival. Man, there's a chosen one. I would assume that they would have even thought that John would be the Messiah. Think about the expectations, right? So, so now John is the son of a priest, Zechariah. I can assure you that Zechariah's dad was a priest. And Zechariah's dad's dad was a priest. And Zechariah's dad's dad's dad was a priest. And Zechariah's dad's 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 dad was a priest. Are you getting what I'm saying? John was born into the holiest of homes. Now, how do priests behave? There's a certain demeanor. There's a certain attitude. So when John is born, the weight of expectation on the guy is intense. This guy is going to be the greatest of priests that are going to come out of this bloodline. They've already signed him up to be in the school of Gamaliel, the most educated, influential, theological leader of that time. And I can imagine John surrounded by the sons of other priests because priests hang out with priests. That's a lesson in itself. If you're God's child, hang out with other kids of God but so he's hanging out with other sons of priests and they're all saying hey I applied for college I've applied for university I'm getting through we go and which school are you going through which school are you going through and 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 John is feeling this tugging don't go to school go to the wilderness can you imagine this? Like, like we just read this, oh yeah, yeah, John is this weird guy, probably a bogan, probably doesn't wear shoes, you know, probably from Kabulcha. Like, like we just have this mindset about John the Baptist. Sorry, sorry, my friends. I've just lost two followers from Kabulcha. I'm so sorry. John, John the Baptist is, 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 we just have this mindset, but I'm, I want you to understand his home life. I want you to understand his, his heritage this guy, 
like literally becomes a nomad, moves into the wilderness, starts eating locusts. You know the kind of food he ate was forbidden to be eaten by a priest. Absolutely controversial in the wilderness. But what is God doing? And we think like John just went on this little bit of, a, I'm just having a sabbatical for like three months in the wilderness and, you know, draw on the rocks and then come up with a sermon. It says he moved there as a son, as a boy. We do not know how long he was there, but God was defining him. God was nurturing him. Here's the craziest part. You know what Jesus says about John the Baptist? Of all the men that were born, he's the greatest. So let me tell you about this great guy. You know how long his ministry was? Six months. 30 years of preparation for six months of ministry. 30 years in the wilderness for six months of being used by God. We must understand is that the wilderness is the place where our spirit is being strengthened, where our life is being set in order. And a lot of us not talk about this. Now I'm using, I'm using an extreme example like John. Let's talk about Papa Paul. <laughs> You love Papa Paul. You're always quoting Galatians on Instagram. So let's talk about Papa Paul. Let's talk about Apostle Paul, right? We all love Paul. So what's Paul's journey? Paul's crazy. He's a radical. He's going out there to kill Christians everywhere. He has his open heaven experience. Jesus appears to him, falls off the horse that he was on. Now we think from there, Paul was, this is what I heard people say this. Paul was on fire. Nobody could stop him. Even the, even the apostles couldn't stop him. Do you know? After Paul got saved, the first 14 years of his life was horrible. Do you know that he pretty much couldn't do anything? That was his wilderness season. So he gets saved. Jesus says, I'm going to use you mightily. And Paul's like, next day, like, okay, God said, you're going to use me mightily. Nothing for 14 years. Move a few chairs, make some lattes, you know, hang out with some people, clean the toilets. 14 years. Wilderness, what's God doing? God says, you've got a strong soul, but now I need to strengthen your spirit. And then one day, we think it's one day, but one day when he was serving in a church called Antioch, boom, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. They're gonna set Europe on fire. They're gonna set the world on fire. They're gonna plant churches, left, right, center. What happened? That wilderness within, that journey within began to take course and the strength because Paul knew what he was about to endure for the next few decades of his life and said, you need to go through the wilderness before I can help you enter into the promises that I have for you. And so we must understand this because so many times what happens is and this is the danger. What I want to talk about quickly is as we're talking through the wilderness is I've been there. I'm not preaching to you or at you. I have been there. One of my biggest struggles has been when God speaks to me and then I don't see happen what he's spoken to me. And it's frustrating. And so there was a guy called Abraham who went through the same thing. Again, Abraham's a perfect example. Had a great family business. I don't know if you know, Abraham was the son of a wealthy businessman. So when God says to him, I'm about to make you rich, Abraham's already rich, right? We're like, oh man, Abraham was so poor. No, no, he was actually quite rich. His dad was rich. So God says, I'm about to bless you, all right? So Abraham's going on with his life. God comes, interrupts his life, says, I'm about to bless you. And then it was like, awesome, right? Abraham leaves everything. And he's like, where's the blessing? Well, Abraham, now it's wilderness time. So year one, year two, year three, year four, year 14, 15 into the journey. And I believe in Genesis 14, Abraham is depressed. Abraham is disappointed. 
Abraham feels rejected. In Genesis 15, sorry, verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield and your very great reward. And Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? You promised me a child, not yesterday, but decades ago. You promised me a business decades ago. You promised me a ministry decades ago. I remain ministryless. I remain businessless. I remain houseless. I remain familyless. I remain unhealed. I remain childless. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And God says, God says, you know, no, that's not the case. But you know what happens? Whatever God said didn't enter Abraham's heart because you know what happens the, next, the very next chapter? Abraham looks around and suddenly starts thinking, Sarah never got a word. Wait a minute. I got a word. Sarah never got a word. And this is what happens to us so many times when we're in the wilderness. Well, we, we try helping God. We start doing dissection on the word. When God said that to me seven years ago, oh, that's what I thought, but that's what it meant. But Sarah never had a vision. Sarah never had a dream. Sarah never, maybe Sarah is the problem. He looks around and says, oh, Hagar, at the end of the day, all God needs is for me to have a son, right? Let's just make it happen. Let's just, let's just, let's just, God, go. Abraham, what are you doing, Abraham? You're being tempted by that. I'm just submitting myself to the word of the Lord. I'm just, being an, I'm just being a great steward of God's promises. Oh, Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't want to do this, Lord, but if you insist, Father, if you insist, I shall participate in this biological experiment to, to birth, to unravel, to bring into pass, to sponsor <laughs> the dream. I know I'm being cheeky, but I'm going somewhere with this. And you know what I'm saying? Where so many times we calculate things around our world to try and make it. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm having a joke about this because so many times I've tried to sponsor God's dream for my life. I've tried to fund God's dream for my life. Yeah, you know, it's like maybe God just needs me to do this and maybe God needs me to do that. And, and God's like, no, 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 it will happen. It'll happen. And what do we have? Abraham does this thing and has Ishmael, and we'll talk about it. And I want to give you a little clue. If you think you're ready, there we go, someone's finding the phone. <laughs> someone's finding someone's phone, praise God. If you think you're ready, there's a huge possibility that you're not. If you think you're not ready, there's a huge possibility that you are. You know, you know right now in my life, I'm probably the most not ready person but when I was 23, I was way more ready than me. Sometimes I feel like I want to sit under my 23-year-old self because I want that 23-year-old self to counsel me because he was so confident. He was so, I'm going to take on the world. And I love that, and, and we did great exploits. But let me tell you, when I look at this season of my life, I'm like, God, I'm not ready. Because you've got to understand this. Joseph, when he had the dream, you know what his, what his attitude was? I'm so ready to boss these brothers around. And then yet, when he actually is in that place, he's like, no, brothers, don't bow down to me. No, my, I'm your brother. Don't bow down to me. Moses, oh, man, I'm so ready to take down Pharaoh. 
And then when God appears to him, you know what he says? I can't even talk. How do you go from being the guy that was raised up as a prince where they went to schools where they were educated to speak in multiple languages to now find yourself to become the person who cannot even speak? That's what the wilderness does to you. It strengthens your spirit. It puts depth into you. puts a finesse in you that's deeper than the surface level. And so many times, some of you are feeling that way. Some of you, in fact, you feel like when I started out on this journey, I was way more qualified. I was on fire for God. I had zeal for your houses eating me up. You know, I had it all going in me. But today, I feel lethargic. I feel a bit broken. I feel a bit wounded. Well, let me tell you, you're the one heaven's looking down on. You're the one God's saying, I can use him and I can use her because because when I use them and they are blessed and they see some things around them, they know that God used them despite of them. And I want to encourage you with this thought because if you look at it, in, 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 I want to share one more thought here. Why do, why do we go through the wilderness? What is, I use the word where God is strengthening us with power, where God is strengthening our spirits. But in Luke chapter 4, we find this little clue. And I want to read this quickly. This is from the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember those words. Full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, say that after me. Full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's full of the Holy Spirit, left, left Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Again, we find the word wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was, he was hungry. Can I propose to you that the devil did not just tempt Jesus three times? We only got airtime into three of those occasions. He was tempted for 40 days. For 40 days. And I want to talk about one of the temptations because I don't know if you know this, in one of the temptations, the devil comes up to him and says, if you bow down to me and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Now, why did Jesus come? Maybe you might not know this. Jesus came obviously to redeem mankind, but one of the, re one of the reasons he came was because at that given time, Adam had given dominion to planet earth to the devil. And so Jesus came and it was a shedding of blood that would reestablish dominion back in my hands and in your hands. So what the devil was telling him when he was tempting him was that he was saying, Jesus, I know why you're here. And there's an easy way out. You don't need to die out of this deal. You don't need to go through the cross on this deal. You don't need to be beaten and bruised because of this. Just bow down. Like, like just do the, just do the, just tie your shoelace, Jesus. Just tie your shoelaces and I'll give you what you want. You know what that was? That was Jesus' Ishmael. That was Jesus' Ishmael opportunity. But he said, you know what? We got, and, 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 and you got to ask the question. I've asked God this question over and over because here's the thing. Isaac was not, God's, was not Abraham's idea. It was God's idea. Serving Pharaoh was not Joseph's idea. It was God's idea. Setting the, setting the Israelites free was not Moses' idea. It was God's idea, right? But somewhere along the way, God makes it so difficult. So I asked God, God, it's your idea. Why do you make it so difficult for it to come to pass? Because there is a season where you go through the wilderness where God wants to test you and know if your dream is your God or if God is your God. He says, I have no problem putting a dream in you, but I don't want you to become the dream. 
I have no problem in putting that ministry in you, but I don't want you to just become that. Because then you start serving that and you stop serving me. You start worshiping that and you stop worshiping me. You stop focusing on that and you stop focusing on me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek his presence first. Then all these things shall be added to you. And here's what I've come to realize. You know, this is, I mean, this seems like a, sometimes a bit of an intense message, but what I love is the nature of God. That Abraham did a boo-boo and had Ishmael and God took care of Ishmael. But you know, back then and to this day, Ishmael and Isaac are still fighting. And that's just the tension that we'll choose to live with if we step into accelerating something where we should not accelerate, but as opposed to be on pause to allow heaven to push the accelerate button into what God has for us. I know today we've been all over the place a bit, but I just felt like God wants to speak to people in this room. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, that just spoke to me. I've been in the season where I've just been saying, God, when's this gonna happen and when that's gonna happen and when this is gonna take place? And this morning I'm reminded that God's timing's perfect. This morning I'm reminded that this wilderness season, as painful as it is, it's, a, it's God's time of preparation. And right now, with every eye closed, every head bowing, you're saying, that spoke to me. And I'd love for you to pray for me. I'd love for you to lift me up in prayers. If that is you across this room, I'd love to just see your hands raised up high where you're saying, that's me, include me in that prayer. Father, I thank you for people across this room that you have given them a dream and now they've not seen the fulfillment of that dream. And sometimes, yes, God, it can be confusing. Sometimes it feels like, what is happening, Lord? But Lord, I thank you in the right time, in the right place. Lord, right now I come against Ishmael temptations. I come against the lurings of Hagar. I come against the, the, the things that look like it's the easy way out. We rebuke that Father. And Lord, we repent of that, Lord. And Lord, right now we align ourselves once again to you and say you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords of our life. And we thank you, God, that you are the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you, God, that the dream and the promises and the seed that you have put within, you will bring into fruition. You will bring into fullness and I declare that Father over each and every person in this room each and every person watching I declare God that the dream shall not be aborted it shall come to pass in the right time in the right place and Father we give you all the glory we give you all the honor in your name we pray amen just want you to cross this room just lift your hands up just hive that if you can do that Father we thank you Holy Spirit I just pray right now for strength over your church I pray right now for, 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 for direction and clarity, especially in these next couple of weeks, Lord. I pray, God, that you will be beside them, that you will lead them, you will guide them. Lord, I declare your blessing over them. Lord, I declare a special protection over them. Lord, I pray, God, for their health to be whole. I pray for their marriages to be together. I pray for finances, Lord. I just pray for special grace. Lord, I ask of you in this next two and a half, three weeks, I pray, God, for a special grace over them, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you will be their Father, that you will be with them, that you will treasure them, that you will guide them. Lord, we open up our hearts to what you have for us. Lord, I pray that no one would feel alone, no one would feel abandoned, but they will know that God is beside them and God is by their side. Lord, I bless them in the name of the Lord. Lord, I declare, Lord, even in these next three weeks that we will hear testimonies and stories and miracles, how you came along alongside and they saw you move the mountain we just declare that we speak that in your most mighty matchless precious name we pray everybody shout amen amen